Could you do an episode on the Great Smog of London? Following the end of World War II, London was on top of the world. While the past six years had seen a relentless bombing campaign that killed 30,000 Londoners, things were looking up for the British capital. The city was due to host the 1948 Summer Olympics, and the economy was booming. A record number of people were employed, mostly due to the preceding war. A stream of Jamaican, Indian, Pakistani, and Bangladeshi immigrants were coming to London, making it one of the most diverse cities in the world. London also became internationally famous for its iconic high-rise apartment buildings, which were built as a solution to the lack of housing due to German bombing in World War II. Today, these so-called flat blocks are the norm in the bustling metropolis. But in the early 1950s, London was unrecognizable, literally. See, after World War II, many households in London began utilizing coal to heat their houses more. In addition, most of Britain's high-quality anthracite coal had to be exported to pay off the nation's war debt. In turn, most Londoners used low-grade coal to heat their homes. This low-grade coal contained significant amounts of sulfur dioxide. Combined with the carbon monoxide typically released from coal, the smoke released can be very harmful to people's lungs and blood. It gets even worse if the sulfur dioxide fuses with water molecules in the air. This creates sulfuric acid, which isn't exactly something you want to inhale. The most common causes of this are rain, mist, and especially fog. When smoke from coal combines with fog, it becomes smog. Now, think of the United Kingdom. Is there a place more known for rain, mist, and fog? While it is easy to write off smog as just a nuisance, it is a serious issue when it occurs. In the span of just five days in 1952, the Great Smog of London affected an alarming number of people. I'm going to tell you all about it right now on Historia Obscura. Welcome to Historia Obscura. This is the 10th episode of this podcast, and I can't thank you enough for sticking around here this long. Special thank you to the Historia Obscura fan who suggested this episode. Special thank you as well to Patreon subscriber Zack. If you want to receive a shout-out in every episode, among other benefits, help support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash historiaobscura and becoming a patron. One more thing, make sure to stick around for a little to hear a message about the sponsor of this episode of Historia Obscura, Anchor. If you want to make your own podcast, you'll want to know everything about how to use Anchor.
Heavy fog is not an uncommon occurrence in London on any given day. This makes the city especially susceptible to smog. Smog was most common in the winter, when more coal was being used for heating. Every winter in London, smog just became a regular occurrence. When a thick fog came into London on December 5, 1952, and mixed with the city's smoky air, it wasn't seen as anything really out of the ordinary. But at the same time, an anticyclone settled over London. Almost all wind in the city ceased, so the cloud of smog pretty much just sat over London for five days. During this time, an uncomfortable amount of pollutants were released into the air. According to the UK Meteorological Office, 14 tons of fluorine, 140 tons of hydrochloric acid, and 800 tons of sulfuric acid were released into the air every single day. Steam locomotives and diesel-fueled buses had recently replaced London's light rail and trolley car systems, exacerbating the smog. Think of the cities most notorious for their smog. Shanghai, Delhi, Los Angeles, you can barely see anything when the smog in these cities is at its worst. During the Great Smog, visibility was limited to a little over 5 feet. All flights coming in and out of Heathrow Airport were grounded. All public transportation services, with the exception of the London Underground, were cancelled. It became impossible for pedestrians and automobile drivers to know when trains were coming, and several collisions happened. To prevent this, detonators were placed on train tracks. These detonators made a loud popping noise when the train ran over them, alerting passers-by of the oncoming train. The smog even seeped inside of buildings. Movies and concerts had to be cancelled, because nobody could even watch them. London train conductor Stan Cribb described it best. It's like you were blind. I'd like to take a moment to thank one of the sponsors of Historia Obscura, Anchor. If you do not know about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make your own podcast. Anchor gives you all the tools you need to record, edit, and publish a podcast about anything you're passionate about, whether it's sports, cooking, art, politics, obscure historical events, or anything else. You also don't need to have to go through the long and potentially expensive process of distributing your podcast, as Anchor automatically publishes it to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and others. You can podcast from the comfort of your couch, so long as you have a computer or phone with you. You can easily make money through podcasting without having to seek out sponsors yourself, since Anchor gives them to you. And the best part is, it's free. You don't have to spend a penny. If you want to make your own podcast, go to anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app on iOS or Android to get started. The inconveniences of the Great Smog were nothing compared to the health effects. Before the smog dissipated on December 9th, over 4,000 Londoners died. Many of them suffocated to death, 
because their lungs were simply too damaged by sulfuric acid to function. Many also died from carbon monoxide poisoning. In the ensuing weeks and months after the Great Smog, another 8,000 would die from respiratory issues caused by the Great Smog. The most common cause of death was bronchitis. The lungs of those afflicted often became blistered. These blisters later popped, leaking pus into the person's airways and causing them to choke to death. In total, one in 1,000 Londoners died due to health effects arising from the Great Smog. Another 100,000 suffered from miscellaneous medical conditions. In 1956, Worcestershire MP Gerald Nabarro introduced the Clean Air Act into Parliament. It was intended to place restrictions on the output of factories and force automobile companies to make cars with cleaner engines to prevent a smog like the Great Smog from ever happening again. Take notes, China. The act passed, and it stayed in effect until 1993, when it was replaced by the Clean Air Act of 1993. London was not the only city to be affected by a major smog. In 1966, the New York metropolitan area was inundated by smog for all of Thanksgiving weekend after a large patch of air over the East Coast stagnated. As many as 168 people died due to the smog, and an estimated 10% of New Yorkers suffered from adverse health effects. In December of 1966, New York Governor Nelson Rockefeller, New Jersey Governor Richard Hughes, Delaware Governor Charles Terry, and Pennsylvania Governor Raymond Shafter met to address the air pollution in their region. Rockefeller in particular underwent a political shift due to the smog. He and his socially liberal Rockefeller Republicans broke with their party on environmental issues, pushing for more regulations on pollution. But the Great Smog of London remains unique for the sheer effect it had. A total of 12,000 Londoners died in the Great Smog, making it the most lethal smog in world history. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Historia Obscura. Thanks again to the Historia Obscura fan who suggested this episode. If you want to suggest an episode of Historia Obscura, send me a voice message at anchor.fm slash Historia Obscura slash message. Feel free to leave your name and location, and if I like your idea, I'll make an episode of it and give you credit. Additionally, if you want to support this podcast, go to patreon.com slash Historia Obscura and become a patron. And of course, I can't go without once again thanking this episode's sponsor, Anchor. They are by far the easiest way to make a podcast, so if you want to make your own, go to anchor.fm. With that said, this is Jack from Historia Obscura, signing off, but not for long.